large portions of my childhood, like Hate Street was regarded as like a dangerous place that like you didn't want to be going. That was San Francisco born and raised comedian Arthur Gauss. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this episode of the podcast, Arthur talks about growing up on a famous block in the city. He shares the story of how his parents met and ended up settling and raising a family in the Upper Haight. Arthur goes on to describe the San Francisco of his childhood, including Haight Street, Golden Gate Park, Chinatown, and his time at St. Ignatius High School. Check back Thursday for part two, when we'll hear all about Arthur Gauss's foray into comedy. Here's Arthur. Here's the way I think to do it contextually. I'm from Haight-Ashbury. I'm from the same block that the famous Grateful Dead Jefferson Airplane Janis Joplin house is on. I think it was Jerry Garcia's house. Mm -hmm. And it was like the big hippie house for all Summer of Love musicians. It was all at 710 Ashbury Street. I grew up and my mom still lives just up the block on the same block uh, of the 700 block of Ashbury Street. It's two blocks up from from Haight, the corner of Haight and Ashbury. And of course, I don't need to tell you guys what's there. Yeah. But um, the uh, but anyway, so people always say, "Oh, like what a what an interesting place to grow up." Your parents must have been huge hippies, and uh, that is not true. <laughs> my okay. parents were, yeah, no, my parents moved to Haight Ashbury in the seventies when it was kind of bottoming out, and right. like the drug problem like the the summer of love had turned into like the decade of rehab yeah and like you could i you could i guess you could just buy places in Haight ashbury for not that much money so they did and they were both they were both lawyers and who just moved to Haight ashbury and into into, the midwest they came my mom is from akron ohio and my dad is from india well my my dad is no longer with us he was from from Indianapolis, Indiana. But they're they're from way back in that middle ish part of the country, and they're just like, let's move to San Francisco. I heard the hippies are gone. Or like, well, what, I think it know? was more like, I think they they both worked at like a like the top drawer San Francisco law firm at the time, Pillsbury, okay. Madison, and Sutro. Okay, and um, and I think it was like. My understanding is that that it was it was like if you got an offer to go to to Pillsbury in San Francisco, it was like go west, young man. Like right. you had to take it. Okay. So, I, I that's my understanding. Now, why they chose Haight Ashbury has been a mystery to me my entire life because <laughs> it mm-hmm. seems like almost any other place would have that would have would have initially suited them better. My mom loves Ashbury street. Now she's, she can't imagine herself ever. Like I think being anywhere else, but uh, I, from large portions of my childhood, like hate street was regarded as like a dangerous place that like you didn't want to be going. Right. Yeah. And I'm guessing if they were able to afford a house there, there were other parts of the city that they could have bought in. Well, yeah, but I mean, the truth is that like there weren't expensive parts of the city back then. It was all cheap. Right. Right. I mean, not like not Pacific Heights, but like it was a cheap place. I mean, that's why the hippies moved here, because it was a cheap place to be. Right. So 
they moved here. Do you know? Do you know when late late seventies, early eighties, or so? Seventies. I think they were married in um, I think seventy eight, okay. um, and then uh, but they moved to Ashbury Street like right around that time. I think it was all kind of in the same time. Okay. And up. Uh, do you have siblings, Arthur? Five of them. Only five. Okay. Um, when the <laughs> when your parents yeah, came out five. here. When, when they came out here, did they have any kids already, or no? This was okay. They, were they had starting six life. kids in Haight Ashbury. Wow! <laughs> oh my! Almost like a, one of them, incidentally, like... is also a comic. Okay. Well, I, I'd like to I'd like to hear about that later, baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so then. Um then we don't have to get into your siblings right now, but, but so a few years later, I'm assuming 82, 83 or so you're born. Yeah. 82, April 82. Okay. So I am going to assume like most people, you don't remember your birth. So we'll skip a couple years. Uh <laughs> yeah, we can skip a couple years. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Uh, and we'll probably find other people to tell us about 82 to 85 in the hate. Um, but yeah, w- what are yeah. some of your, some of your earliest memories and they don't have to be necessarily at home, but you know, what, what are some of your earliest memories? Mm, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about, how like what like trying to figure out what my earliest memory is because i've because it's kind of an interesting question and i've spent some time thinking about it over the years and the nice thing is is like there's a there i have a metric for figuring this out which is that like i can like i have memories i have a lot of memories um of going to giants games as a really young kid Mm -hmm. really 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 young kid and i and i can remember certain games where something happened and then, you know, thanks to the age of the internet, um, I can now trace back and figure out what the dates of some of those events were. Oh, it's fucking awesome. And so, so I think when I think about like, what is my earliest one, like what's the earliest memory that I can trace back and actually tell you a date? I think it's probably, like July 1985. Okay. Because because my because that was the year that because the Giants had the All-Star game at Candlestick, the Major League Baseball All-Star game at Candlestick that year and my parents went. And I remember watching it on TV and like you know let the record show that that took place in July of 1985. Awesome. Cuz I remember I, my dad be coming home from work early and then and then all of a sudden they're off to and i was like that's odd usually they don't go to the stadium at this time why right. is this babysitter here you know yes who is this person <laughs> uh, so but yeah you, you're fully second, remember... this is all <laughs> different <laughs> <laughs> but you remember like all of that situational shit do you remember like watching that game and being like baseball i remember i remember uh, yeah i remember being allowed to watch a, a little bit of the game and then being sent to bed. Oh, but I do remember that it was a big friggin' deal that they were playing the all-star game at Candlestick Park and my parents okay. were really excited about it. Awesome. Uh, do you know, like, were your, were your fan, uh, were your fans, giant parents? It's not late. <laughs> were were my your, fans, <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to ask? 
like were, were, yeah, they, no, were, were they Giants we're, fans from the moment they got here kind of thing or no I think my dad got into I think you know my dad was working at a law firm um and this I think before my mom showed up on the picture and I think it was like you know he was like a guy who moved to San Francisco and didn't know anybody and it's like well what do you do you, you know you know, if you're a single male who doesn't really know anybody in a city, what would I do? I would, you know, I would go to the, I would buy, I would buy single game tickets to the local baseball team probably every night. And I think right. that's more or less what you ended up doing. Okay. So wait, I, I actually missed something. Your parents actually met out here for some reason. I was thinking, yes. oh, do you know that story? Can we go back a minute? Yeah, sure. I don't awesome. know. Um, I don't know all of it. Uh, I, I know that they were both working at the same law firm. And then at some point, uh, my, my mom had to find a new job at another law firm Uh. because there was an, there was a policy against as, as many, many white collar professions back in those days, it was really, it was considered. And I think in some ways it still is considered. I I don't know uh, exactly what the policy was, but it was, they they decided it was best if she went and worked at a different law firm because okay. they were they got serious workplace shenanigans. Oh well, okay. I yeah I don't I mean but you know this is the thing about like this thing about my 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 folks and uh, and lawyers in general very by the book so okay. I'm sure that at some point I, I like to imagine that at some point you know, they were having a nice dinner and realizing that like, that, that like, you know, that it had gone too far, that they were now, unless they disclosed the fact of their relationship, that they were going to be in violation of, you know, <laughs> section 13.7 paragraph B of the, uh, of the employee policy and that, that like they needed to disclose this relationship and, um, and find a way around the policy uh, right. as fast as possible. Or just stop dating. But then we would well, but they they couldn't they clearly couldn't do that. Yeah, the the magnetism was just too insane. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, what would if what would somebody tell me if somebody told me way back when to stop dating my wife? I would have been like, take a hike, man. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't play that game. (laughs) Right, and then your kid just would just disappear. That's not cool. Yeah, and then no kid, you know, not cool. (laughs) <laughs> okay so yeah i don't know I, I for some reason i missed that but um good so so we've got the first and you think that is your earliest memory that you've kind of objectively i i, I have not been able well okay so i cannot place an early like i cannot definitively place an earlier memory and lord knows i have tried and also lord knows i have tried strictly by like looking at like the schedule, the like 1985 giant schedule to see if I could figure out an earlier game. But I know that, I know that like, I I specifically remember the all-star game. I couldn't have, I must've just passed my third birthday. Right. So that's pretty early. That is. No, I was going to say congrats. That's, that's pretty fucking early. So. Um, Well, you know, I was a pretty observant kid. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. The skills started really early. And um, do you remember, and and you don't have to get specific unless you'd like to, but um, other kind of memories of the neighborhood? Because you you grew up in a, you know, a place that people know about. Yeah. It was a really happy place to grow up. Okay. Um, 
and there weren't a lot of kids around, but I had lots of siblings. But um, it wasn't like, you know, this like, you know, like Lifetime movie cul-de-sac where like, you know, there's like 10 houses and they all have kids who are all the same age. and They all hang out to each that, like that. <laughs> right. That wasn't it. But like, but it was a really, I mean, we were in, it was like Golden Gate Park was still kind of sketchy uh, mm. at the time. It was, and it was just that it was kind of the, um, it was, it was, there was a lot more kind of um, like you wanted to keep your kids on a path if they were in Golden Gate Park because there was just a lot more sort of um, hardcore drug use kind of going on in the park itself. Mm-hmm. They really had they they cracked down on that in the in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's much much better. But we we would go to Golden Gate Park a lot, and I remember there being some sort of like danger around the edges. Like we never went to. We didn't go to children's playground a whole whole lot because like my like I think the the parent group that like <laughs> of my um of like my close associates like I think you know somebody had gotten word that there was going to be a syringe in the sand or something like oh, that you know yeah but it was yeah but so there was stuff like that around but it was a really it was a really happy place to be a kid because you're like there's these big hills and there's parks you can run around in. And, um, you know, we had this nice backyard, um, that like I would play with my siblings and, and it was, it was, it was, it was a really, really, really great place, but it's sort of like, you don't, I, I didn't really realize that it was like a historic place that like Haight Ashbury was until I was, you know, a little bit older. Sure. And then it was like, I just thought it was the coolest place in the world. And I still think it's the coolest place in the world. You know, but then it was like you saw a little bit more, you know, we never, you know, the Haight-Ashbury that people talked about, like, so nostalgically and so lovingly was like, it was, a, you know, it was a, it was a memory, it was a distant memory by the time I was born. So I right. heard people talk a lot about in the neighborhood about like, oh, you should have seen this place, you know, when I was a teenager, particularly like, oh, you should have seen this place back in 67, 68, 66, 69, 71, you know, whatever. I just kind of, it was, it was interesting to sit and listen to. Like there was a guy, like when I was a teenager, there was a guy, there was a, there was a, a record store, like kind of where the Carl and Cole, uh, and Judah stop is. It was called, yeah, it was called mobster records. And this kind of, this old guy would, yeah. And he would, and it was, it was mostly CDs, but some vinyl. And, uh, and he was like always full of stories about like, Oh, you should have seen this place way back when. And there was, you know, and like the the marquee for the other cafe, which was the comedy club was that was right there at Carl and Cole. That's still up to this day. But nice. it was like, it was like, you know, there was the people who, you know, thought, you know, couldn't, you know, they were, it's like, they wanted to tell you about the summer of love. And then there was like other people who wanted to tell you about the, eight, the you know, the comedy boom in the eighties. And there were other people who wanted to, you know, tell you about some other some other thing that you know they have this great house party they went to in the 70s and so it was just like a place where people were like it seemed like it was a neighborhood where a lot of people had really specific memories about it and were like excited to tell you about it um and i i, I heard a lot of those stories as a teenager so that was just kind of normal you say. yeah it was just kind of normal i mean i always the, the, the place was special yeah. Yeah, I thought it was, and I still think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm con- well, I'm just, I'm convinced of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
um, when you mentioned history at the outset of this little tangent that we're on, um, for some reason, I also was thinking about um, like the literal house that you grew up in, which did you say that your mom still lives there? Yeah. It, it is like that area is known for like crazy fucking some of the best Victorians in the city. Is that the kind of house you grew up in? Or Yeah. And awesome. actually what's even funnier is so like one of my best friends from growing up, like still one of my best friends, but um, when we were kids, you know, we were like, I don't know, junior high or something like that. And, you know, we were just starting to become friends. I had him, I called, I, you know, invited him over to hang out and, uh, you know, I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old and, um, you know, the, they pull up to, you know, they pull into our driveway and like (laughs) my friend's dad like explodes out of the car and like bounds up the steps (laughs) and he's like, do you live here? And I'm like, Hey, you know dog i'm standing right here you know like (laughs) what do you think and um and he's like i was born in this house whoa yeah and so my apparently my you know like one of my oldest friends uh really my oldest friend uh his dad was born in the house that I grew up like, in. Like not his parents lived there and then his mom, then they went to the hospital and that's what, no, he was born in the house. I, that's okay. That's the recollection. I, I don't know. Let's if he was, go with that. Let's like go that with it. Better. I that mean, better. I don't know. No, but I think, I don't know. Well, either way he grew up there and, right. and then his family sold it to the family that sold it to my parents. Wow! So this, that way. house has been like on a continuum, like for about a century now. <laughs> so cool! Wow! How old were you when that happened? It's like ten or eleven. Okay, a little later. Did you have questions for the guy? You're like, where are the ghosts? You know? Like, no, it was more like I mean, I was like, I was like, uh, I mean, I was like eleven years old. So like, it was kind of like you know, you know, you're just like a shithead kid. It was just like, Oh, "Oh, cool. You know? But (laughs) like now I think it's like, I think it's like the coolest thing ever, you know? Yeah. So, uh, do you now a little, a little later around this time, 10 or 11 or whatever, what kind of things were you doing in the neighborhood, in the city? Were you like starting to kind of expand? Were you riding Muni? What were you? Yeah. So like junior high, I started to be is well cuz I had five siblings and I was one of the older ones. So it was like I got I started to get put on Muni. Um not like in a punitive way, but like <laughs> you know, it was like you know, I went to school, my school was downtown and so I could ride the end there and um and so I would, you know, I a lot of days if I had something to do after school, I would ride the end back. Um and it was, and I also went to school right at sort of the gate of Chinatown. So oh, cool. it was, it was like, if I, you know, my friends and I, we would go exploring in Chinatown after school, um, you know, and then I would take, I would take the end home and, and it was, it, it felt pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. What school did you go to? I went to Notre Dame de Victoire. Okay. That's it's a Catholic at, school. That's over by the, by um, the gate. Yeah, it's right around the corner. I was going to ask if you were exploring any other parts of the city. Well, Chinatown for sure. 
Yeah. Like I was into Chinatown and um, I'm still into Chinatown, but like I was into Chinatown and like we would go out and we would just, it was like, cause I mean, it was, you know, Chinatown is still, it's like, there's some stores where you go in there and you're like, uh, okay, I'll have, um, let's see here. I'll have the, uh, nudie deck of playing cards, uh, the bucket of paint, that motorcycle in the corner, um, <laughs> that weird woven basket. And, uh, yeah, let me get, um, two Snicker bars. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, a, it was like, we would just go into these, or like the, the, we would, we would go and just look at all this food that we couldn't tell what it was. It was, it was interesting. I mean, it's like you just walk through the Stockton Street Tunnel. And I mean, I still feel this way. It's like you walk through the Stockton Street Tunnel and it's like you are, um, it's, it's like you just get transported, you know? Totally. And, and, and I, so I, I would hang out in, so me and my grade school friends would go and run, you know, we would go run around uh, Chinatown after school and like, you know, in like the financial district, like Union Square, we would just like, you know, because that's, you know, that was the easiest stuff to get to. Right. And then, yeah. And then, you know, I had some friends who lived in the sunset and there wasn't the same stuff to do in the sunset, but like the park was there and, you know, I've always loved the park. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would we would spend a lot of time walking around Golden Gate Park with our little, you know, cassette playing boombox. Oh, hell yeah. You know, just acting like miscreants, even though we were just, you know, wimpy Catholic school kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. What an image. It's like, I don't know, kind of like a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. The Catholic school bad kids. Yeah. I mean, which is to say that, like, we were really, really good kids. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, and, like fact, walking with the boombox is the worst thing. That yeah. Walking know. with the boombox was the great transgression, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's let's move on a little bit now to high school years. Um, same school or different school or different school. Okay. Uh, I went to St. Ignatius. Okay. On thirty um, seventh Avenue, and I heard you just whisper, "Okay," which like, <laughs> which like I totally get. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I completely get it. <laughs> like, but that's where I went, you know. Okay, uh, I that I. <laughs> That I, if I said okay, I was. It wasn't like okay. No, it, I, I mean that's what it sounded like. So I mean, that's like, just the shitty see. internet connection. No, um, it's, but I get it. It's like you know, it's like everybody's got a reaction to that for some reason. You know? Well, no, I to be honest, um, I I've lived here twenty little bit more than twenty years. Um, I know the name, so that's that's really all I was. I don't really know what it means to go to Saint Ignatius. Do you want to speak to what it means, <laughs> like from uh, your first-hand I mean, perspective? I here's I don't know. I I still don't know what it means. It's it's a really good. It's I'll tell you what. It's a I got a really good education there, and mm-hmm. um, but it's it's the look. Every big city in America has a jesuit prep school right Ah, mm -hmm. and there's one in every big city Mm -hmm. um sometimes two but usually one and it's got some name like loyola or xavier or saint ignatius right and um and you know it's like they all kind of carry this reputation as being like very serious and very like um 
very serious places where like the the leaders of tomorrow go to be educated mm-hmm. and they all and they carry themselves that way and they mean it and they take that quite seriously mm-hmm. and um there's good things and bad things about that mm-hmm. um but uh that is where that's that's where mm-hmm. i went to high, that's where i went to high school and so when you tell people because when you when you grow up in San Francisco, one of the things that you simply must do, especially now these days, because there's not that many people who grew up in San Francisco still in San Francisco, and you tell them like, oh, I went, you know, I grew up in San Francisco. Oh, what, where did you go to high school? That's the automatic question. Right. And so you tell people <laughs> St. Ignatius and it's like, they just, it's like, they, it's like they, it's like this blue blazer like magically appears on me and all of a sudden I have a side <laughs> part and I'm like talking about, you know, you know, God only knows what, but. Well, and now I'm going to imagine everyone reacting to it with, okay. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, well, and okay. So like, give me, let me, let me put it to you this way. Like, do you, you have you seen the movie, The Last Black Man in San Francisco? I have. Okay. So the, 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 the like kind of evil, kind of not really villainous real estate agent. Yes. Okay. Who is in some ways like quite smarmy, but in other ways is just doing his job. Right. <laughs> he, it's in the dialogue of the movie. He's, that's he, right. He goes, he says, oh, I went to St. Ignatius. And that's, right. it's on purpose. Like, yes. I mean, and the guy, I don't, first of all, they nailed it with the dialogue and they nailed it with the. The, whoever they got to whoever they casted as like saint ignatius yehu numero uno <laughs> like they nailed it like <laughs> that like that dude definitely sat next to me in geometry sophomore year awesome yeah okay yeah that actually that rings a bell so yeah like so, side part and like v-neck sweater for days yeah um i do want to talk a little bit more about your high school years but also Instead of going into real estate, you went into comedy. It sounds like, but I'm getting Correct. ahead of I'm getting ahead of yes. uh, us ourselves. So, um, yeah. Any any other kind of besides your um, well known and and reputable school? Do you want to talk about high school years at all? Because did you say earlier that you got started with comedy kind of around that around the end of high school or? Yeah, like right around the end of high school. Like as soon as as soon as I could as soon as I figured out where to go, mm-hmm. I went. Okay. And it was like I didn't waste any time. I cuz I was I was like a I was like a drama kid in high school. I would do the plays at my school. I would also do the plays at Mercy High School, which like okay, if you want stories from high school that are worth telling to a San Francisco audience, here here is it. I did the plays at Mercy High School, which is an all-girls Catholic school right across the street from Stonestown, right? Okay. And so we're talking about we are the – there was like five boys that they would cast in every production because they needed males to play the parts. Right. And um, like those are the only five boys on the physical grounds of Mercy – of the all-girls Mercy High School at any point. There are no other – teenage boys allowed near the premises right so we're there's only five of us and there's like 500 of them you know and they would do this thing and we were dorks i mean we were we were extremely dorky fools like i cannot stress this point 
Like, think of the dorkiest kid you knew in high school. Like, we were a shade or two dorkier. Yeah, he's and, walking into Golden Gate Park with a boom box. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, exactly. We're, we were the bad kids from. We were the Catholic school bad kids, but we were we were the squabs of the century on by any objective men, of measure. That doesn't matter when you're the boys at Mercy High School because that's exactly. it. Like, it's like they're looking at us and they're. They're looking at us and they're going, well, the goods are odd, but the odds are good, you know, and the, 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 um, but the, the, the thing is that they would do is because we were in the plays at Mercy, they would have, they had something called preview day where the play would be ready. You'd be in the play and you'd be ready to do the play. And before opening night, you would do something called preview day where it was like an assembly at like 10 a.m. at Mercy High School. And like, and like you would get to do, and you would do a couple of scenes from the play to sort of like gin up excitement to sell tickets for this high school play. Mm-hmm. And again, we're the only boys allowed into this. Five, five so, of you. Yeah, we go on stage to do. To any one of us five goes on stage to do any scene. And it didn't matter how dorky we were. It was the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Like just screaming, (laughs) screaming, screaming, screaming. I've never felt terror (laughs) like I did on on stage at Mercy High School during preview day. And I remember there was – because it was Midsummer Night's Dream and there was one guy, one of the guys – his costume was like a vest with no shirt underneath. And he had like a late, (laughs) late entrance into the scene. And so I'm going through my lines, like, like barely, I don't get stage fright, but I could like barely get the words out because of like the, just the tension in the air. And then like, I was supposed to say something. And then this guy, this shirtless fool was supposed to make an entrance and I, get, I don't even get the word, like the last word out of my mouth. He doesn't even get his entrance line out of his mouth. And like the most earth-shaking, screeching sound I have ever heard as soon as this guy appears on stage with no shirt on, you know? I don't know. I don't know how they slipped it past the nuns, to be perfectly honest. Right. Liberties were taken. But, I love it. Yeah. Anyway, that's 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 that, that, that's the one. That's, that's me being a, a stage superstar in high school. That was Arthur Gauss. Thursday on Storied San Francisco, Arthur will tell us how he got started doing comedy in the city. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. The show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season... We have nearly 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so that we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love it. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. 
Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.